Matthew chapter 26 we'll be studying this morning. While you're finding that, uh, I'll remind those that listen uh, by audio only uh, through SoundCloud or iTunes or some other audio platform that you can contact us uh, via our website uh, on the contact form on our webpage at www.aloveoutreach.com and that you can also find and subscribe to us on YouTube. Um, by simply searching for a love outreach. We'd love to hear from you. So as we jump on into chapter 26 of Matthew here, uh, verse 1 says, Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings that he said to his disciples, You know that after two days is the Passover. And the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Now, I think it's important here that we pause on verse 2 here for a little while and discuss the importance of this particular Passover celebration that Jesus is talking about with His disciples here. Because this Passover was going to finally be the fulfillment of the reason that the Passover ever existed in the first place. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ was the reason why God had established the celebration of the Passover in the first place, which God actually established with the children of Israel all the way back in the book of Exodus, long before Jesus ever came on the scene. Uh, on the earth, that is, right? And as we read about that in the New Testament, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, this all points back to something that God had established with the children of Israel all the way back in the book of Exodus, where is where you can read about it. And that was the Passover, okay? You see, in Exodus chapter 11 and 12, there is a, a lot discussed about the Passover. The children of Israel, while they were still in the bondage of slavery to the Egyptians. They were to take a lamb, you know, and as directed by God, they were to use that lamb as a sacrifice. This was um, something that each and every household had to do. And they had to do it uh, one particular night for when the, the Spirit of God was going to pass over in Egypt and strike down the firstborn sons of every household in all of Egypt. You'll find that in Exodus chapter 12, verse 29. But this was the final plague that God had issued against Pharaoh for hardening his heart and refusing to let the children of Israel go to set them free. And this plague did indeed lead to Pharaoh releasing the Israelites from their slavery. And after that night, God instructed the Israelites to observe a Passover feast as a lasting memorial. You'll find that in Exodus chapter 12 as well, around verse 14. And the way all of this worked was that God instructed every household 
of the Israelite people to select a one-year-old male lamb that was perfect as could be, without any defects. And the head of the household was to slaughter the lamb in the evening. And he had to be sure to take special care that none of the lamb's bones were broken. And then he was to apply some of the blood of the lamb to the tops and the sides of the doorframe of the house. The lamb was to be roasted and eaten. God also gave specific instructions in Exodus chapter 12 as to how the Israelites were to eat the lamb. It says, with their cloak tucked in their belt, their sandals on their feet, and their staff in their hand. In other words, they had to be ready to travel. Okay? And God said that when he saw the lamb's blood on the doorframe of the house, he would pass over the home and not permit the destroyer to enter. But any home that did not have the blood of the lamb would have their firstborn son struck down that night. You see, the New Testament establishes a relationship between the prototypical Passover lamb and the consummate Passover lamb, Jesus Christ. The prophet John the Baptist recognized Jesus as the Lamb of God. Remember, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world when he saw Jesus coming. And the Apostle Peter links the Lamb without defect with Christ, uh, whom he calls a Lamb without uh, blemish or defect in 1 Peter chapter 1. 19. So all of this ties together. Again, all of this is pointing to Jesus Christ. Everything that God established with the children of Israel in Exodus was pointing to Jesus. So Jesus was indeed very qualified to be called the one without blemish because his life was completely free from sin. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So that's the high priest we now have, Jesus Christ, right? He sympathizes with our weakness, but yet he, and he was tempted in all points as we are, but yet he remained without sin. So he is the Lamb of God, the perfect one, the one without blemish. In Revelation 5, 6, the Apostle John speaks of Jesus as a lamb uh, looking as if it had been slain. And Jesus was crucified during the time that the Passover was observed. Okay, and that's what Jesus is pointing out to his disciples here. Hey, it's time for the Passover. It's time for me to be crucified. In Hebrews chapter 9, it says that Jesus, with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. And how much more shall the blood of Christ, it says, through the eternal spirit, offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works 
to serve the living God. That's what Jesus will do in the heart, in the life of somebody. Cleanse them from dead works so that they can be a servant of the living God. So today, in a symbolic manner, a born-again believer in Jesus has symbolically applied the sacrificial blood of Jesus Christ to their hearts. And as a result, we escape eternal death and we receive eternal life. Old things pass away. All things become new when we repent and give our lives to Jesus Christ and are born of the Spirit. And we no longer walk according to the flesh, right? Jesus, the Passover lamb, applied um, blood, caused the destroyer to pass over the, the, each household, right? Just as, I should say, not Jesus, I'm saying just as the Passover lamb's blood applied to the doorframe of the house caused the destroyer to pass over each household, Christ applied blood causes God's judgment to pass over sinners and gives life to believers. Do you see that? Do you see how God laid all this out as symbolic of what was going to happen when Jesus was crucified? You see, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. As the first Passover marked the Hebrews or the children of Israel, their release from Egyptian slavery. So the death of Christ marks our release from the slavery of sin. We're set free from that bondage. We no longer need to walk that way. We now walk led by the Spirit, with the fruit of the Spirit operating in our lives, right? Romans 8, 2 says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The first Passover was to be held in remembrance as an annual feast by the Hebrews, the Israelites. And today, born-again Christians can memorialize the death of Christ in the cup of communion until He comes again. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, it says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till He comes. So do you see that, what happens in communion, how important that is, right? For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till He comes again. So you see, the Old Testament Passover lamb although a reality in that time was a mere foreshadowing of the better and the final Passover lamb, Jesus Christ. He was the final Passover lamb. Through His sinless life and sacrificial death, Jesus became the only one capable of giving people a way to escape death and the sure hope of eternal life. 1 Peter 1, 20 and 21 says this, He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through Him believe in God. 
Remember, there's only one way to God. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one comes to the God of all creation except through Him. Okay, So we, through Him, believe in God, who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. So again, this Passover feast that Jesus is speaking of here was going to be the end-all, be-all of Passover feast. Everything was going to be fulfilled. On this Passover, the Lamb of God, who was to take away the sin of the world, was going to be crucified. And I encourage you today to go back and read Exodus chapters 11 and 12 with all this in mind that I just went over with you. And, but those that are plotting against Jesus, they're not going to waste any time in what they were setting out to do. And here in verse 3, it continues and says, Then the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders of the people assembled at the palace of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas, and plotted to take Jesus by trickery, and kill him. But, they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not have always. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. So we see a few different things here in those passages there that we've just read. For one, they're plotting to kill the Lamb of God devising their evil scheme to do it, right? It's really something how when evil enters the heart of a man or a woman, they will stop at nothing until they accomplish what they set out to do. They sit and they make their plans. Hey, let's do it now. Well, we better wait now. Yeah, let's do it at this time. And they agree on this and evil collaborates with evil. And that's, and it, goes throughout the world, right? But this is the reason that a person needs to be born again. Because people are wretched. We're wretched without Christ. It's Jesus Christ that is our Savior. It's Jesus Christ and the life of Christ within us through faith in Him that causes us to be born again and to be led by the Spirit. If you walk in the Spirit, Galatians 5.16 says, If you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You hear that? Galatians 5.16 If, if 
A big if, right? If you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So it's easy to tell when you're not walking in the Spirit, when someone's not walking in the Spirit, because they're fulfilling the lust of the flesh. If you're fulfilling the lust of the flesh, you're not walking in the Spirit, right? But unfortunately, the world today is still filled with people that have not been born of the Spirit of God, as Jesus said that one must be. So evil is still, you know, committed throughout the whole world, right, on a daily basis. This is why it's important for those that are born again of the Spirit to pray for the will of God to be done on the earth. And it is equally important that those that are born of the Spirit continue to preach the gospel into all the world so that people can hear the gospel and be saved and come out of it, this perverse generation. And if you're not preaching the gospel and you are born again of the Spirit, then you need to be supporting the spreading of the gospel in one way or another. Evil exists, right, all around us. And there are even those today that will profess themselves to be religious and maybe even name the name of Jesus, but they're, they're spreading evil. They're, they're living in an evil manner. They're living like the world around them. Another thing we see in these passages that we just read here is that there was a woman that expressed the depths of her devotion for the Lord Jesus by sparing no expense to anoint him. She spared no expense to anoint Jesus with this oil. The disciples, and more specifically here Judas, if you go and read in John, more specifically here Judas expressed his disdain for the woman's actions, thinking that what she was doing was wasteful. But to the woman, there was nothing too costly for her to do for her Lord. And of course, we see that Jesus defended what she was doing and said she was anointing him for his burial. If you remember when Jesus was dead and buried in the tomb, there were some women that were on the way to anoint his dead body, but, but, but by the time they got there, he had already risen from the dead. Right? But Jesus confirmed that what this woman was doing was indeed good. Again, remember that we are read, what we're reading about concerning here is this a particular Passover that it was the fulfillment for the whole reason for the Passover feast in the first place, right? The Lamb of God was to take away the sin for all who would receive Him. He would die for all the world, for anyone, for as many as would receive Him. There was nothing more important than what was about to happen, and this woman had the spiritual discernment to understand this fact. Or she at least was led by the Spirit to do what she was doing. So now comes another part to the story where one man is bent on evil. And in verse 14 it goes on to say, 
Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. So from that time, he sought the opportunity to betray him. Now, what an interesting contrast we see here. A woman that spared no expense for the value that she placed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And a man that was a familiar friend of Jesus. One that had been with him now for a few years, walking with him on a daily basis. Right? Who, a man who had witnessed the miracles of Jesus, seen his love for the people. But yet, he sold Jesus out for what today would be about $15. That's really something, isn't it? Many people today turn their backs on faith in Jesus because their hearts were never fixed on Him in the first place. They were never born again of the Spirit. The love of money, the falsehoods of religion, false doctrines, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, the unwillingness to die to oneself, to give all that you have in service and worship of the Lord. All of this and much more causes the hearts of men and women to sell out to the world and to betray the one who died to make them free, to set them free from sin and death, to turn their back on Him because of their philosophies or, what, or the way they see the world or what they see happening. They turn their back on Jesus. It is selfishness, self-centeredness that causes people to deny the Lord. Look at Judas. What, what will you give me? What's in this for me? Not Look what Jesus has done. Look what He's doing. But what's in this for me? And in my opinion, religion is this. And in my opinion, religion is that. Well, Jesus never called you to religion. He's calling you to Him. To die to yourself, to take up the cross, to be born again, to follow Him. Right? Again, selfishness, self-centeredness that causes people to deny the Lord. But the true gospel of the kingdom of God calls everyone to repent of their sin, to die to themselves, to live soberly, to live righteously in this present age, in the here and now. That's what the gospel calls people to do. And few find it. Most are far too enamored by the things of this world and they refuse to come to the light of Jesus Christ through absolute faith, through absolute surrender, through giving all they have to letting, letting it all go, to surrendering completely to Jesus. People refuse it. They don't want to come to the light because they love the darkness 
and they don't want to come to the light because their deeds will be exposed. And we're going to keep this study short for today. There's a lot of verses here in Matthew chapter 26, and I'm going to be breaking this chapter up quite a bit over time here. But we're going to leave it there for something you to think about today. Where are you today in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you sold out like this woman? Or are you a sellout like Judas? Okay, we, we really have to. And, and if you're someone who may stumble upon this video, stumble upon this audio, hear it, and you profess to be a Christian, it's important that we examine ourselves as to whether we're in the faith. How are we walking? How are we living? Right? Are we truly a servant of the Lord? Because like Judas, someone could walk with the Lord for three years. Someone could walk with the Lord for 20 years on the earth today, right? And have faith in Jesus and profess faith in Jesus. 30 years, 40 years. And then they turn to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. They come up with their philosophies and their thoughts and things like that. And they say, yeah. I'm doubting my faith. I'm turning my back on the Lord, whatever it may be. They're not sold out. They're not willing to give everything they have to Jesus and come to him by faith and walk by faith and not by sight. See, that's the key when we come to faith in Jesus. We're walking by faith and not by sight. For 34 years, I've been walking by faith, never have seen the Lord. Never seen him. I'm walking by faith, not by sight. I'm pressing on in the faith. But as I do, his spirit works within me. And as I continue on and as you press on in the faith, his spirit works within you. And you begin to see the fruit of the spirit in your life. You begin to see Christ in you. And then as you are vocal about that and you share that with others you share your faith you're not ashamed of the gospel you'll begin to see that you have impact on the lives of others as well but as i'm talking to that person now that maybe professes jesus but i'm asking how sold out are you how sold out am i but then for the person that has never maybe you've stumbled upon this video and you've never come to faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe you've heard about it. Maybe you've judged by your eyes other Christians or other so-called Christians. But, but what we are to do though and what you're called to do is to come to Jesus, not to another Christian, not to a religion. You are called, we are called to fix our eyes on Jesus. He is the author and He is the finisher of our faith. And what he did is for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame. And now he's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's calling you to come unto him. He's calling you to die to yourself, to take up the cross, and to walk by faith in Jesus Christ, and to come unto him. I'm not going to tell you it's an easy thing to do. 
I'm not even going to lead you in a prayer right now on how to do it. Because it's something that you must do in your own heart. It's a place of absolute surrender like this woman. Nothing's too costly. I'm giving my all. Everything. Jesus, you are worthy of everything. Because he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the scripture calls him. He's coming again. He's coming again. And you may say, when? When? He's supposedly been coming again for the last couple thousand years, right? Yeah, but you know the reason he's been waiting? You're the reason he's been waiting. Because if he would have came 10 years ago and you didn't come to faith in Jesus Christ, where would you be? But you're the reason he's waiting and he wants you to come unto him now and to be born again of the Spirit. So make that decision in your life today. And for you that profess Jesus, but you've turned your eyes away from him, you haven't fixed your eyes on him, you need to repent. This is the time for repentance because even if the Lord doesn't come back for another hundred years and all of us on the earth today are gone, Even if he doesn't come back, your life is but a vapor. My life is but a vapor. The day of our death is coming. That's going to be here for sure. That's coming for sure. And Jesus is coming for sure. But he may not be coming in our lifetime. Who knows? We don't know. No man knows that day or that hour. But today is the day of salvation. Today is the day for you not to harden your heart any longer. But today is the day for you to repent of your sin. You, Mr. or Miss so-called Christian, today is the day for you to repent of your sin. Today is the day for me to repent, to fix my eyes on Jesus. It's a new day. His mercy is new every morning. That's the good news. You're hearing the gospel. You're hearing the good news. The good news is that today, old things can pass away and all things can become new. You can have a new life inside of you. You can have a hope and a future by fixing your eyes on Jesus. This is good news. Yeah, the bad news is, is we got to repent. We got to turn from our sin. We got to die to ourselves. We got to take up the cross. So we'll go ahead and close with that today. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy that you showed this world by giving your only begotten son. That whomsoever would believe on him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. That life is in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. The way, the truth and the life. Jesus, no one comes to you, Father, except through him. We thank you, Jesus, that you make intercession for our prayers, that by your spirit you indwell us, Lord, that you hear us, that you are with us, Lord. And I pray, Lord, for the hearts of anyone and everyone that will ever come upon this audio recording or see this video, whatever it may be, Lord, or if no one does, Lord, I pray that by your Spirit you will work in the hearts of men and women today and bring about repentance, Lord, in their lives, that we may be set free, Lord from sin and death, through faith in you. Thank you for this time in your word, though it's brief. 
But we thank you, Lord, that you are with us always, that you will never leave us nor forsake us, that by your Spirit you will lead and guide us through this life. We thank you. We ask that you go before us in the week to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless, folks. Again, thanks for watching. If you have any questions or uh, need prayer, go to our website, www.aloveoutreach.com. And there you can find a contact form and you can reach out to us through that. God bless.